You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 454. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. We do want to remind people that, at least currently, we are broadcasting live on Facebook as we record both The Geek's Pub, our sister show, and Tech Fan. This is That's this show. And I'm waving a, to all the people yeah, who aren't there. Yeah, I'll, there's nobody. <laughs> You're... <laughs> Looks like we get quite a few views after the fact. I share this uh, yeah. live stream with uh, the Facebook folks on MyMac.com as well as the TechFan podcast page. But eventually, maybe soon, we will start broadcasting live on YouTube as well. And I'll also right. look at Twitch. But I don't know if Twitch is more gaming-centric, but I don't, maybe that will... Who knows? Yeah, maybe we have some gaming listeners. And there's, maybe... Uh, there's some... Sp- set up stuff that i'd have to do gonna, gonna cost money but what about what about discord uh well if you want to broadcast in multiple places it costs money right so I, you know i'm gonna look into it eventually uh maybe sooner maybe later one of the two um if anybody what if anybody watches video live on discord or twitch let us know yeah, is this something that you would be interested in on either one of those platforms? David and I obviously have a vested interest in learning. And, of course, the whole thing is really picking up new, I guess you would say, viewers at that point. But, yeah, you know, the focus is always going to be the audio. People download the show. They listen to it in their car or while they're jogging or, you know, when they're in a coma. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we put them into the coma. Well, they would need to stop listening to come out of the coma. That goes without saying. <laughs> uh, so that's that's what's going on as far as internal stuff. Except we did get some feedback, and I thought it would be worth reading here at the top of the show, and that's going to lead into some changes. Yeah, and if I don't so shoot the cat first, because this yep, is yeah, th- this is from Crit. Chris, who who comes to us from Potsdam in Germany, um, I, I Chris, I presume you speak German as well as English. Um, I don't know whether you're a native English speaker, but I will compliment you on the English in your email, just because I can. Hey Tim, long time listener of Tech Fan, the MyMac podcast here. First thing I'd like to say, thank you for creating your podcasting network, your dry humor, your to the point analyses, and for not weaseling around when it comes to stating a political opinion. Hmm. I don't think that will yeah. be my problem. No. <laughs> Today's problem, I noticed for the last couple of episodes, episodes 450, 451, a high-frequency beep on your audio, not David's, I think, and not on the intro-outro music. It kind of hurts my ears, but it's mitigated a bit by setting my iPod EQ to treble reducer. Second thing, do you have Patreon, PayPal, or any other way to support you and say thanks? Best regards, Chris. So let's start at the bottom. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, of course I have a PayPal. I mean... I live in the modern world. You almost have to have a PayPal yeah. account nowadays. Um, I do not have Patreon or PayPal, nor have we ever asked listeners to financially support the show. For a long time, yeah. obviously, we had sponsors uh, going way back into the MyMac days. But way back in 2005, we had sponsors, and that's how we kind of paid for things. And we had them here on TechFan for a while, but... Quite honestly, between David working, me working, 
we don't have the time to track down or court potential um, advertisers, if you will, or sponsors. It's not that I, we wouldn't want it. It's just I don't have the time to do it. So yeah. that doesn't mean, however, we start asking for donations or anything like that. I just, I've never been comfortable doing it. I've had shows in the past where people have asked to contribute. And I had a couple people at one point, I half-heartedly put my PayPal account out there and some people did donate, but I was just never, it was never my thing, David. Mm-hmm. And, no, and like I think kind you're of, kind of in the I, same I get boat. you. Yeah, it's the same thing. We we do <laughs> we do this if nobody listens to us because we enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, and it, so for me, it's it's a good opportunity to talk to my friend. Yeah, exactly. Same for me. And it's been a long time you know, since we've been on the show, but in the meantime, yeah. I'll just talk to David. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Got me there. Um, you know, we we've always been happy to invest our time and our money in equipment and stuff we need to keep the show going and make it sound um, as good as we like it. Which brings um, us to the second point. Which brings us to the second well, point. Well, technically, which is I yours. guess it was the first point, but we went in reverse order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The high-frequency sound, yes. Um, there was a time, David, that I would listen to the shows after the fact, and I haven't been doing that probably six months. You get complacent when you use the same equipment, you've been doing it so long that you just assume, yeah, it, it, I'm sure it came out fine. Well, yeah. it hasn't been lately. And the big change uh, in starting in TechFan 450 was the way I record. Now, up until, well, 450, about a month ago, I had been recording directly into GarageBand. And GarageBand, um, while it works fine, it was always the single point of failure. If we were having problems, it was almost 100% software-related, either GarageBand yeah. or a driver not loading up correctly or something along those natures. It was never a hardware issue. So yeah. uh, listening to David um, and Guy Searle, for that matter, because yeah. he's gone the hardware out for a long time, I finally got a mix board, and I believe we already discussed the mix board yeah, yeah. a live track, track L8, uh, L8 from Zoom, yeah. and that's where the problems began for the last few episodes. Um, improperly wiring the system, if you will, and using a very old mic that was not great for getting rid of some electronic interference. Mm-hmm. So I tracked down some of the problems using the old mic and I found that I just couldn't eliminate a hundred percent of the sound. Some of it was cable placement. Some of it was just the inherent where I'm at and the things that have to be plugged in for us to record. And the microphone was some of the problems. Um, specifically it was the high pitch sound that when I was plugged into garage band via my USB breakout board, something in there was already filtering it out. So it was never recorded. I knew it was there though, because if I plugged my mic into the output of that USB board, I could hear interference quite often, but it was never mm-hmm. in garage band. So I just didn't worry about yeah. it too much. The problem is I got rid of that breakout board and went directly into the, the uh, live track L eight and boom, there it was. Yeah. I caught it a couple episodes 
and started manipulating the uh, audio file. But then, honestly, I kind of forgot about it. And because I wasn't listening to the show back, Chris was the recipient of that nice noise. Mm -hmm. And everybody else listening. Hopefully we didn't uh, offend too many people. So what I've done, and, and David already knows this, and anybody watching the live broadcast can actually see, is I upgraded my mic. This is a big deal for me, David. I've been using that other mic since 2005. There's a Facebook video post that I uh, I had captured. I think, I don't remember how I got it, but I got a video of a news story from the local CBS affiliate, WWMT, when I was doing the MyMac podcast with Chad Perry. Mm-hmm. And they came out and they did this whole segment. It was pretty cool. I look way, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I look way younger in that broadcast so it's Chad way younger I was I was a lot well at this point that was what six six no two that what's 21 minus five 17 17 yeah yeah so that was 17 years ago 18 16 sorry it's it's early yeah it's early 16 years 16 years ago um the my mac podcast can legally drive now I don't know if you knew that David (laughs) um so the microphone I was using in that broadcast was the same one I've been using. Now I had two of them, one I used and one Chad used. And occasionally I would rotate them in and out, but they both were, I mean, almost vintage at this point and it was time to upgrade. So that's what I did. And the new microphone is really good about eliminating quite a bit of the electronic noise. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the sound quality is probably going to be a lot better. Yeah. Um, so I, I can get real close to the microphone now. And, uh, Very good. Yeah, it's a Shure SM7B, and it was not cheap. <laughs> no, the Shure ones, the, the one I'm using is a knockoff yeah. of the Shure um, SM57, I think it is. Um, mine is a cheap microphone. Uh, I should probably upgrade it at some point. But well, the thing is, is that when you've got something that works, you kind of want to stick with it until it doesn't work, you know, Um and it wasn't uh, working and, for me. It, it was at the point yeah. where I didn't need to upgrade. But even still, it was hard for me to pull the trigger. And I spent $400 for this new mic. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't upgrade the um, XLR cable, which I actually I think I need to do that as well. I think that's also some of the culprit of the, some of the bleed through. And I yeah. need a much better... Um, what do you call it? The the audio cable that goes from my hub into the live track, and then I'm converting it up to the the three and a half millimeter. Yeah. Um, so I've got to upgrade that cable as well. I'm just Is using that, the one that came with the live track, and it's kind of shitty. Yeah. Okay, but make sure you get one with the right number of rings on, so you can do the mix minus. Yeah, it's just you got to have the the more rings the better. There's professional quality yeah. ones for audio gear that you would think that Live Track would have gave you something better than a cheap headphone jack, basically. But that's what they do. So that's the next step: some cables. Yeah. And yeah, I'm quite honestly, I'm even if cost. I get the best cable, it's going to cost me fifty bucks. I mean, yeah, I'm on a roadcaster here, and um, they don't include the cable. For the, the TRRS cable in the At box, all. presumably, because they expect you to go out and buy a decent one. And that's that's where I'm at now. I have to buy a decent one. Yeah. So, hopefully, as you listen to this episode of TechFan, sponsored by the Diet Mountain Dew I'm drinking, 
Um, it sounds a lot better. Well, I I have to say, having I mean, we didn't record last week, um, so this is the first time I've heard this microphone. Yep. And even without doing a side by side comparison, I can e- easily hear that this one you sound the voice sounds much richer. Um, you know, it sounds a lot better. That sound better. Funny that that's we've been saying our, that. That's become our running in joke now. Yes. <laughs> so let's jump into some uh, technology things that's going on. I put a few notes in here, David. So if you've got something yeah. else you want to talk about, please chime in. But well, we we've got um, it's my birthday on Tuesday, and um, this coming Tuesday, an app, yeah, this coming Tuesday, and Apple as a special present has decided to do an announcement on tuesday so i get to sit down and i've already made it perfectly clear to my family that whatever um birthday celebrations anybody feels like doing on tuesday evening here because it the uh, apple event starts at 6 p.m uh, i'm expecting at least an hour to sit down and watch the apple event live on my birthday so <laughs> i don't remember the last time i've watched a live apple event um i will yeah, see, it's during the day for me here. I'll, yeah. I'll be working on a Tuesday. Don't, don't get me wrong. If it was during the working day, I wouldn't be watching it no. because I wouldn't have the time. But because it's not. it's early evening, um, you know, I can I can sit down, flip on the Apple TV and watch it on the big TV. In some, res- and- in some respects, it's kind of nicer not to be able to do that from a mm-hmm. when I get home from work, the event's four or five hours old. I can simply pull up a website, catch all the highlights someone has yeah. already created a 10 minute highlight reel if you will and uh, watch yeah. it that way that to me that makes more sense with my time i get a little yeah. i don't like the the new apple events as much i don't think but maybe i do i don't know i kind of miss the old one well so so here's the thing i mean i do i do kind of get where you're saying what you're saying on that there's a lot of fluff um, they're very it's overly produced um, now to me. It's very overly produced, um, and um, as 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 has been talked about in the tech press in the last couple of weeks, I think um, a couple of weeks ago, Tim Cook did an interview with Kara Swisher. Apple is so regimented in what they say now; they stick only to the talking points and nothing else. You don't ever catch anybody off guard, uh, and, and those are some of the events, best parts. Yeah, but the, these events are very much regimented and scripted to within an inch, inch of their lives. Um, and, and the Apple of today who does this just isn't as much fun as perhaps it used to be. I think I think it's a bit too, and, it, and it's kind of ironic as we're getting older as well, but it's, lit too, it's a bit too middle-aged uh, dad man now than it used to be, even though they will have lots of um, women and diverse people um, in the in the... Uh, presenting these things because they're they're quite good at that now. It just all that comes across as very very corporate, um, and I, I guess the one of the advantages that that you know the Steve Jobs era had is even though he was rehearsed to an inch of his life, it didn't come across like that. It came across as more spontaneous. Well, the so, ample of Steve Jobs's, let's say the beginning and then the beginning of the second tour at Apple, if you will, hmm. was more scrappy. You know, yeah. they were out to change things. They were pushing products at a time where they weren't popular or they weren't mainstream. They were doing things differently, and they had something to prove. They had a almost a chip on their shoulder. We know our stuff is yeah. better. It doesn't sell as well. Um, screw everyone. We're going to stay the course and keep making the stuff that we think that people want. 
and it was an exciting time to report on Apple because that's kind of yeah. where, you know, starting in 95, I started writing about Apple and it was different. It was, I'm not saying it's, that... it, it's obviously it's better now. I mean, yeah. they're one of the richest companies in the world, but that's also one of the downfalls when it comes to an event like this. It is. Yeah. They are one of the richest companies in the world. They have to mind their P's and Q's. They're not going to mm-hmm. say anything that's going to offend anybody. Steve Jobs didn't. Yeah. Frankly, I don't think he gave a crap if he offended anybody or not. No, he kind of went so out of his way sometimes to say something snarky against yeah. competition. Uh, and and you know, not to diminish what they do, because the last big announcement we had from them were the were the M1 Max, which uh, you and I have talked about before. The M1 is quite literally an industry game changer. I think Absolutely. people are starting to realise that now. Um, there was there was the typical backlash after um, they did that, where people criticised some of their graphs and some of the things they said and said they weren't quite as true as they are. But I, I think most people in the industry now recognise that the M1 is a big deal um, and uh, it really has changed the industry. It's amazing all of a sudden the, the, the bigger interest everyone's got in running ARM chips in other product, other computing products as opposed to mobile products now. Um, and that is purely the M1 effect. Yeah, and, no um, question. You know, yeah, and and Apple, typical Apple, they've waited until they've got something that actually knocks it out of the park and they've, they've brought it out. But having said that, I'm not expecting to see anything particularly innovative on Tuesday. I think this is going to be the usual round of iPad upgrades, that sort of thing. I, I wonder um, about that, and I wonder about the availability and how soon they're going to announce that whatever it is that they're showcasing, and it's going to be new hardware, most likely, um, when we're going to be able to get our hands on it, because you know, as we record this, it's mid-April 2021, and there is a massive shortage in uh, a ton of different electronics, most mostly semiconductors. Um, but that is effect- affecting chip production as well. Yep. As big as Apple and as rich as Apple may be, they are still competing with every other manufacturer out there. Um, it's affecting the industry I work in, automobiles. We have a mm. quarter, maybe a quarter of the stock that we normally would have. We're just not getting cars in fast enough, and car sales are through the roof at the same time. Not really a winning combination. Um, I know that yeah. it's affecting televisions. I don't know if I... Uh, this kind of segues a little bit into... Did I mention I put a new car stereo in Julie's Lexus? You didn't. So I did the same thing to my Sequoia a couple of years ago, and I we talked about that. I put a uh, initially a JVC system in, but it was just junk. It didn't work. It kept screwing up. And I replaced that with a Pioneer system. Um, and I'm not going to give you the numbers because, quite honestly, I don't remember what they are. But it was a really good system. The interface was way better than the, the JVC stuff. And it worked really well. And I've been really happy with it. So I wanted to put the same thing in Julie's car with one caveat. She wanted to be able to listen to CDs still. She has some CDs mm-hmm. that she likes to listen to in the car. My system doesn't have a CD player in it. Right. And, and did you did you float the idea of maybe putting those CDs onto USB and letting her no, listen to them No, she way? wants the CDs, and so that's right. fine. So they had the same model as my Pioneer, um, 
but just with the CD player. Exactly the same, except it comes with the CD player, and it's like 50 bucks more. Mm-hmm. So I decided that's the one I'm going to get her. I decided this back in October. Mm-hmm. The Pioneer have been out of stock of this unit since October. Right. And as I was looking for alternate solutions, uh, I would go to Crutchfield. It's a... Uh, Way back in the day, that's where people would go to get their audio gear. Yeah. And Crutchfield was awesome. And they still are. Uh, they fake, In fact, they may be even better than they used to be. Um, I kept going. You know, they ha- I have two saved vehicles there, the Sequoia and her car. So I mm-hmm. would, at least once a week since October, November, go there, select that vehicle, show me the car stereos that fit, and then show me the Apple CarPlay ones. And that list kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller because I would say, exclude anything out of stock. Mm -hmm. And that would knock off, for a while, 60%, then 70%. It's up to like 80, maybe even 90% if I exclude the ones that are out of stock. Now, I know Crutchfield's ordering these things. They just can't get them. And the Pioneer that I really wanted to get for her has just been gone MIA. So I wanted to do something before the summer begins because we want to do some road trips. In fact, we're doing one Mm -hmm. today. Uh, After we record, I'm going to go wake everyone up and get everybody ready, and we're going to go and do a day trip. And so I need to use her car because the gas in her hybrid Lexus is way better than the fuel economy is way better than in my – my Sequoia, but I want Apple CarPlay in there. I mean, her Lexus has yeah. built-in navigation, but it's, you know, it's crap. Well, it's a, it's, yeah, it's an older car, and, yeah. and uh, these things, you know, they they need updating. So I ended up getting a Kenwood system, and one of the cool things with Crutchfield is you can order it pre-wired. So they wire everything all up, and you just simply plug into the existing plugs in in your vehicle so it makes there's no splicing wires or any of that and this was a couple weeks ago so i went out put it all in and it didn't work well the stereo worked fine that was not a problem yeah but her climate control no longer worked and her (laughs) built-in navigation no longer worked and even though i hate her navigation she likes it she wants it there yeah more importantly, the climate control didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> cold days. She has to be yeah. able to turn on the the yeah. the heat and then air conditioning here pretty soon. Uh, so that's kind of a problem. And I found out what the issue was. You had to wire in a resistor, and uh, I didn't have that resistor. I think it came with it, but I might have lost it. Wasn't yeah. sure. So there's a company we work with. Um, I work with quite a bit at work who does exactly this. We send customers vehicles down to them for window tinting or if they want a subwoofer or a hitch and so they hooked me up they took care of it i took julie's car to work one day and they just installed it for me so it's working now but i Mm -hmm. i did not get the system i wanted i'm not saying that the kenwood's better or worse i think it's probably on par i kind of like the pioneer one better um, yeah. But this one did cost about a hundred bucks more than I wanted to spend, and or I would have spent had the Pioneer been in stock. Yeah. But 
it's little things like this that make you realize that the shortage that we're experiencing right now is on all kinds of products. If it's electronics, uh-huh. it's a big problem. And and people say, well, as soon as the factories get back up and running, uh, boy, it should take care of itself right away. It doesn't work that way. When companies are ordering stuff like semiconductors, there's a long tail there. You order today yeah. and you're gonna get those semiconductors in a month or two or up to four or five months. And so if you're wondering what's going on today, why are we having the shortage today? All you need to do is look back about four to six months ago and see what was going on in the world, and that was all these factories are shutting down because of COVID. That is a long tail. It's caught up with us. It's going to be with us until probably early to midsummer before it kind of rectifies itself. And Um, that's assuming, of course, that nobody has to shut down again because of COVID. Because obviously COVID is going up and down depending on where you are. Um, and And it's not just the factories. It's the supply chain. It's... Well, I say the factories. I said the factories because it's easier for I think most people to comprehend that. It is yeah, all the part manufacturers for those factories as well. Yeah, but those parts then have to get to the assemblers who are going to build the actual products we want to buy, and they need to ramp up, and then they need to ship them to us, and all of that has all been a problem. Um, it we, is we've getting got the better same, though. Got, don't, yeah, don't we've got the same problem at the moment. To say it's it's. It's getting worse. No, it's getting yeah. better, but it's going to take yeah. some more time. We got to get vaccinations into as many arms as possible. And unfortunately, yeah. it's just not happening quick enough. And then there's a whole segment of the population that's just not going to do it, which is going to yeah. screw things up. Um, exactly. Because yeah. stupidity. My company, yeah, my company, we can't get laptops at the moment. We've been trying to buy, we don't need that many, but we have literally run out of everything we've got, including all our spares. So at the moment, if we have a hardware failure, um, and some people are squirrely, we have a hardware failure, having an engineer from Dell come out and replace parts because it means having somebody come in the house. Um, we've got nothing, and we're trying to order more. We cannot get the models we want for, well, one, one type of model, they've basically said they can't give us a delivery date at the moment. Uh, there's another model that uh, we looked at that has got probably delivery times of about three, four months, which isn't good enough for us. Um, so we're end we're end up for my company. We're having to buy about um, ten machines we don't really want to buy, but they're in stock and available, and then have to do some modifications on them to, to turn them into what we need. Um, and that's just purely because we can't get stuff. Um, so it's definitely the same problem. It's gonna it's gonna be a problem for a while. I yeah. wish it wasn't, but you just got to make do. Well, yeah, it's not the end of the world. Um, no. Especially compared to what we've been dealing with. But nevertheless, you know, um, it, it's a problem you have to solve, particularly if you're uh, using these things for the for other parts of your business. We are a year out from returning to normal. And the new normal is not going to be like the old no. normal. Yeah, the old normal, yeah. But we're yeah. getting there, you know. Yeah. I've been vaccinated. I've had both my shots. I know you have as yeah, well. I know uh, I haven't. No, that's right. You no. you guys are doing that <laughs> because one shot because and see how it goes for a while, and then you know, the we're doing shot. we're doing a three month gap between shots, and so I still have about four weeks to go before I get my second one, um, which I'd kind of forgotten about until you posted. Uh, you sent me the message saying that we're getting yours, and I kind of thought, oh, shouldn't I have had mine by now? And then I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
So, yeah. since you haven't been vaccinated, could you put something over your microphone for me, please? Thank uh, you. So, so it's all right. I've got I've, I've got a filter on the internet connection, so I wrapped <laughs> a wet rag around it. So, yeah. But. So if you don't mind, I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> I, I know it's a big ask, but if if you don't mind, I'm just yeah. It, it may it would make me more is, comfortable. Is four is four and a half thousand miles enough social distance between the parents while we talk? I don't know. <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, the next thing we've got up here is um, I, I don't I don't know how to feel about this one, David. LG scraps its smartphone business as losses mount. Yeah. Um, I was I've never been a huge or any kind of LG smartphone fan. Um, I I can't really recall any particular lg smartphone of the modern mm. era i remember some of the older ones the flip phones and stuff yeah um but let's be honest they were just another android knockoff phone i mean well they were the nothing special I, the reason i put this in here is specifically for you because one of the rants that you've said many years, many two, three years going now, every time the iPhone comes out, is it's just another slab of glass. They all look the same. They all look the, the same. Problem, they all behave the same. Yeah. The problem is LG actually was, uh, one of the reasons they've struggled in the market is because they would do some crazy things. They had some really odd models. And, and they, they were never successful. But they, they were the first one with a folding phone. They had one with um, they had ones which had screens on both sides. They had one where the screen kind of turned around and the the phone kind of looked like a T. Um, but the problem with, with all of their innovation, and I'll give them credit for that, was that it was still based on Android. So at the yeah. end of the day, it's still just a crappy Android phone. And if you're going to be in the Android marketplace and you're going to invest heavily in your phone, you're probably going to get one of the big Samsung ones. That was the well. I, yeah, this is the slight dichotomy for me. Really, is that Samsung are? I don't. I don't see Samsung as particularly innovative. They oh, throw no, all. No. They throw all sorts of features into their phones every year. Yep. But basically, they're just much as you say, say about Apple. They're incremental upgrades if they're anything at all, and except they're worse because a lot of the uh, um, features they stuff into their phones don't really work very well at all. They're just there to give them an extra bullet point in the marketing. Yeah. I don't, so I don't see Samsung as particularly innovative. And what kind of breaks my heart a little bit about this is LG were tr- within the bounds of, of the business they were running. They were trying to be in- innovative yeah. and the market didn't embrace it. At all. Know? Yeah. So it's uh, kind of sad, losing, but it is what yeah, it is. They, yeah, they've been losing money for a long time. Yeah. So apparently they lost uh, uh, $4.5 billion over the last six years on their smartphones. Oh, so they quitters. decided that was enough. Just $4.5 billion. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is we're ending up with um, a very narrow set of market. We Obviously, Apple in itself is a narrow market because it's only one supplier, but Samsung is becoming this huge behemoth on the android side and um other suppliers are falling away the yes but the flip side of this is maybe this will hearken more of the android makers going away because they just can't compete with samsung and that's going to change market conditions in that somebody else can come up with a new platform that can rival ios and android and you know, start something new. I mean, this is how things happen. Everything works in yeah. cycles. 
there was a time yeah. that Windows PC was the be all and end all. You know? Yeah. There was this is yeah, this is the time that the Facebook operating system on their own phones is gonna rise to the fore. We joke, but you never know where the innovation is going to come from. Sometimes yeah. it is from a huge company like Facebook or yeah. Apple or Microsoft or Google. Sometimes really it's a company. It's that, Facebook. I really don't want Facebook either. <laughs> I really um, don't want Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, don't do that. Don't do it. No. Um, but sometimes it is some company you've never heard of. Yeah. You know, that, or they were a bit player. They made headphones for, you know, mobile devices, and then they come out with this big announcement, and everybody goes, ha, ha, ha. And then two years later, they're a huge player. So I don't discount that. And in fact, more than that, I hope it's true. I want mm. innovation, David. I want something new. And I want it for myself. I want something cool to get excited about. I haven't got excited about much tech in a long time. I mean, <laughs> excuse me, this microphone is the newest tech, if you will, in the board that I bought in how long? I mean, you can say my yeah. iMac a year ago, but it was just another iMac. I wasn't excited yeah. about it. It's just, yeah, I got another iMac, and it's just going to be the same thing, yeah, just I, a lot faster. I, and I, I think between the pair of us, I, I mean, you get more stuff to try because you get all your, uh, you know, Amazon review stuff and everything. I'm probably the one between the pair of us who tends to buy more stuff. Uh, yeah, but you're buying old stuff. stuff. You're buying, you know. No, no, I've got some new stuff. I've got a... Um, I've got a dedicated Teams display that I use for work in front yeah. of me here that I bought with my own money. Um, I recently bought it. All right, it was an old, it was a used PC, but I recently set up my own Plex server that's on a tiny little PC running on my desk. That was exciting. Uh, I've got one of these Stream Deck things that it's with funny the buttons you said, for doing Twitch streaming. You, you, it's you know, funny I, that I've you got, talk about uh, Plex because I was just thinking about offloading my Plex server from my iMac to a dedicated machine running yeah, maybe it's a the NAS. way it's definitely the way now i used to have a nas that ran plex i don't uh, want the, the nas with... to run plex i want a, a mini pc and yeah, i want all of the that, files on a nas so i can copy stuff right. from my mac over to the nas and then the plex server I, I wouldn't even bother with the nas i would basically put a hard drive in the pc that's what i've done and um it's beautiful this, and how the are you sharing like if you want to copy so, something to it what are you are you just yeah well so basically, um, I will either log on remotely to the machine and copy it over the network directly to the machine, or if I uh, this this little machine I bought is called a th um, Lenovo Think Center M ninety two P. Yeah, it's, it's basic. It's about the size of that head unit you just put in your wife's car. Yeah, little tiny thing. Um, well, so you know, it's very much pretty big. Sorry, I said the head, the head unit is actually big. pretty yeah. big. It's yeah. about this is the, yeah. Right. Okay. So this is like this is like an old radio head unit. Okay. So it's it's about is about an inch tall. Yep. Um, about six inches square. Um, so it's very much in the spirit of the old Mac Mini. What uh, OS uh, is it running? It's running Windows. Okay. Yeah, I put Windows. Just put a copy of Windows 10 on it because yeah. I'm not really I don't really care about the OS. It, I just want it to run Plex, and so sure. it's easy. Just, it's just sharing just, it. The, it's it's a Plex server. Yeah. It's a Plex server. So I just you could run do it Plex on a RetroPie if you wanted to, but the encoding would be terrible. Well, that that I I thought about doing that, and then I thought, well, and then I was going to get it all running in Linux, in Linux, and all of that, and and it was just too much effort. <laughs> Whereas the Windows machine, there's actually like some pre-built um, images you could download for a Plex Media server on a Raspberry Pi that yeah work good, but the 
problem, quite honestly, is the transcoding is super slow. Exactly. And yeah. it's not highly compatible with a lot of the uh, video formats yeah. that are out there. And also as well, I wanted a, a fairly um, decent, you know, decent looking box without loads of wires. And the problem with the Raspberry Pi is that it's very difficult to build a Raspberry Pi system without wires everywhere, particularly with plugging stuff into it. No question. So this is... This is one guy, and you know what? This box was about, I think I paid about £60 for it, so it really wasn't expensive. Yeah. But it's Core i3, 4 gig of RAM, a 128-gig SSD in it. Uh, but most importantly to me, loads of USB ports. So, so you can just plug a new hard drive in? I can plug a hard drive into it. I've actually just put a 256-gig um, um, flash drive in there for the moment for the media because that's big enough for me, and then I'll change it when I need to, and that keeps it low profile. Uh, if I want to copy stuff to it directly... And I have it on a USB key. I've set up a um, uh, scripting program on the machine, so I can just plug it in the front. It will automatically copy it to the right place on the uh, in the Plex libraries. So as soon as I plug something in there, it goes, and I need to make sure it's fight. I make sure it's named properly and everything. Yeah. It will just automatically copy it onto the machine to the right place. Well, see, um, you, and also, you, as well, the, it's go ahead. Uh, also, as well, it, because it's running Windows, I can remote into it and actually download stuff directly off the internet if I want to. And perform so, server upgrades and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. M- See, I the reason I was thinking NAS uh, as the storage is ease of use of copying files over. Yeah, it's way easier just to be able to literally on a Mac, the NAS would just show up in a sidebar as one of the network connected devices, and I just copy files over to it and be done with yeah. it. And actually, but I, I can do that with that. I can do yeah with a dedicated backup hard drive on the same mm-hmm. server. So it's simply, the moment you copy stuff over, it's copying over to the backup. Yeah. But but then um, you can do that with this, with obviously it's a computer, so I can I can network share to it anytime I want to as well, yeah, easily enough. You know, It's not it's, difficult to set up a NAS, though. Yeah, the, the, what really put, put me off the NAS is I don't need that much storage for the media. For those I, who I'm don't know, one, NAS stands for Network Attached Storage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the drive yeah. itself is connected. It's not just being yeah. shared by another computer. It exactly. itself is and, sharing itself. And I have one here, but the thing is, is that if you already have the computer, you it's just easier to do it with USB drives. Yeah, rather and that's than probably the, the route that I'm going to go. Yeah, um, I, I just I, haven't I, decided what server I want to run yet or what form mm-hmm. factor. Um, I think I'm at about four terabytes of storage for my uh plex server yeah but i haven't been copying much new data over to it uh my biggest problem and i think this this is a a larger conversation to be honest is really good software on the mac and if someone knows something out there that i should be using absolutely 100 percent, please let me know is correcting metadata mm-hmm on my files so i was a bad boy and i downloaded actually i didn't download it it was all on um a website they were streaming it and i downloaded the streams australia's uh season four of the amazing race and we're watching that now but in in plex it shows up as movies not as a television show even though i put them in one folder i named them all correctly it doesn't recognize them as television shows. So, did you did you tell Plex that they were TV shows? You create a TV show library to put them in, 
Because that's no. what you have to do now. Is that what you have to do now? You, yeah. And see, that's the problem. When you have to start managing where files are so the server can yeah. correctly identify it, isn't necessarily um, the best option. Because what happens is you start dumping stuff in there and it doesn't realize that this is part of this television show and it's yeah. just not there and it shows up as, it's just a nightmare. So I would prefer a dedicated application that I can batch drop something into, title it, hit you know save, and then Plex sees the updated metadata. So it says, oh, okay, this is season four of The Amazing Race Australia, and this is episode one, this is episode two, and it just so presents a, it correctly. Yeah, I have I have a piece of software for you. It's it's not fully available yet, but this is the what I use on my iPads, and it's always been brilliant. And it's called Infuse from the people who uh, from Firecore who originally did the ATV flash for the Apple TV that turned into I-F-U-S-E. a I-N-F-U-S-E. I-N-F-U-S-E from Firecore. Um, and they are currently developing, and um, they previewed it. Uh, I think a, uh, an alpha, yeah, came out in the uh, the end of last year. Um, and Infuse is really great, um, and it's pretty good at identifying stuff, but it's really easy to edit the metadata. Um, and uh, and that's that's the one I use. And also, the great thing about Infuse is that it supports pretty much every media server going. So if you have a Plex server, you can use that to browse your Plex files. You don't have to use um, the Plex application, the Plex client, if you don't want to. Um, it's really, really good. And it will also transcode and play anything locally. Yeah, so, I don't care about uh, the playability, but what I want to be able to do is... Uh, and I don't see... With the screenshots, anyways, I don't see how you change the metadata. So basically what happens with uh, Infuse is that if it gets it wrong, you go into the file and right-click on it, and it brings up a metadata window, and then you can change whatever you want, or you can type stuff in and have it search the right thing. But is it saving um, the metadata to the file itself, or is it saving it to its own it, database? Uh, probably to its own database. Right, which means it's not going to help Plex at all. I need something that's going to change the metadata on the file itself. So any media server can say, this is episode seven of, you know, whatever. Uh, I I would, yeah, I would have to. There was stuff like this for way back in the day, mostly for music. And that's where I was needing it the most. Um, and in fact, you can do exactly what I want to do in iTunes, but it only writes the data in iTunes. It keeps in the iTunes data preferences. It doesn't write it to the media file itself. So I could, and I have done this in the past, completely reorganize everything in iTunes, move to a new machine. Something happens to the iTunes library preferences, gets corrupt, whatever bring all my media back in all that metadata is gone because it didn't write it to the file. And I want something that's going to write metadata onto the file itself, not into some database that only this application has access to. So I, I don't know. You see everything I've put into my Plex server and admittedly I'm quite new at this has been correctly identified, but I don't know where the, where it's getting the data from. If it's pulling it out the files or if it's searching an online database and matching it up, it's been pretty Most good. Most of them search on a, an online database. Um, yeah. There are a couple out there that I'm aware of that media companies like Plex, server companies like Plex, 
and probably this one too, is actually pulling that from. Um, and they're, for the most part, pretty good. You know, especially if it's a movie. Um, yeah. It does way better with movies or really, really popular television shows. But not everything. And I want something that's more robust. More importantly, and I would be happy because I have no plans on move, moving away from Plex. But Plex doesn't yeah. allow you to change the metadata. It does to a certain degree. You can know who's the director, who's the here's the yeah. description. But I can't I can't select a file and say this is a television show, this is a no. movie, this yeah. You can't do that. In fact, when one of the biggest things that I add to my Plex library is video that Julie and I take on our iPhones. So we'll yeah. import the data into iPhoto, and then anything that's I'll do a quick search for move. Um, find out the video files, drag those over to the Plex server. So that I just made a backup copy already. And then I can watch those on my Plex server, except they all show up as a freaking movie. I don't want it as a movie. I want to be Mm -hmm. able to say, these are family videos and here's the title of it. Here are television shows and the episodes for each season. Here is a movie. Here is, I can't do any of that with Plex. It's so handicapped when it comes to stuff like that and i can't be the only one who has this you know first world problem yeah heaven forbid yeah, i gotta looking, figure out oh, yeah, which i'm the gonna one. I'm, I'm seeing an article here that talks about how you label stuff up as your personal media um and um put it in the show it notes. seems huh put it in the show notes. i'll put it in the show notes yeah um this is uh the, i'm sure people are screaming at the Whatever there was a feature that I could tell. This is a solved problem. Yeah. Well, no. I, I there was a there was a way to set something was a, a family video for a while, but it it whatever that was, I can't find it now. Yeah. And well, the, the, it wasn't I'm really certainly, good. I, since the last time I used Plex, it's changed quite a lot. So mm-hmm. uh, I definitely struggled with that as well. Uh, anyway, I'm going to pop this in the bottom of the. Show notes. Yeah, I mean, I'll everybody. look if it's something, you know, we can revisit this in a future episode of Tech Fan, but I just, I want things to be, and I want a piece of software. I don't care if it's local, as long as it's writing the metadata to the file. For the same reason, there was a, I don't remember the name of it now, but there was a piece of software on the Mac. This was early OS 10 days that you could bring in. I was mostly with music because this was before people were ripping their own DVDs and stuff like that. Um, That you could bring in music and you could add color uh, cover art, Um, and it actually would look up the information online, and it would populate it, and it was somewhat accurate most of the time. But when it wasn't, you can hit you know info, change the cover art, change the name of the band. change the date yeah. and it would save I it to the to file because was, I bring that into other applications or my iPod yeah. at the time. And that it was, was perfect. That was uh that was a, an app called, was it, I think it was called Coverflow, and then Apple think, bought it and bas- yeah, basically and rolled it. it into iTunes. Yeah, but yeah. they did. Yeah. You're right. I think it was Coverflow. Yeah. Um, but it was writing it, the metadata to the file itself. And That's that right, yeah. is the key to all of this. I don't care about an application or an online service that's only going to keep the information in the cloud or, you know, in or a in database. I don't want that. Yeah. I want it on the meta file or the file itself, the metadata. So, mm-hmm. and it, maybe we should, for 
those who are sitting here listening to the last 10 minutes going, what the hell is metadata? Metadata is the information about the file. So you could say, this is a movie. This is a television show. This is the name of the album. This is the name of the song. This is the artist. This is when it was made. Here's the cover art. Because you can do almost all of that with movies as well. You know, if you got a movie, you want, you know, maybe the picture of the DVD box. If it's a family video, maybe you want to put in there Easter 2001. And so it's easily uh, searchable. So when you look for something on your Plex Media server in the living room using that stupid remote, you can say uh, Easter 2001 and there it is. You can't do that right now. Not easily. And that to me is the problem. If I rename my files... So if I, if, you know, let's say we took three videos on Easter Sunday, right? Yeah. So I put them over on the Plex Media server hard drive, which is an attached five terabyte drive on my Mac. And I say um, Easter 2001-1, 2001-2, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So I can search for it then. Great. Except there's no cover. Um, It always seems to take... I don't know why it always seems Plex is really bad about this. And so is iTunes instead of setting, looking through the file and finding a decent still to use as kind of the cover flow or cover graphic. It picks some blurry, you know, half pink pajamas that was moving. Yeah. It's awful about that. So, uh, and sh- so yeah. let me I think be able I- to scrub through and say, yes, that's the cover. Yeah. I think, I think nowadays it's possible to turn on a plugin in Plex and have it actually access your photo library and so it gets that metadata out of the photos because obviously they're stored in your Apple photo library here's my problem with Plex at least with it running on my Mac maybe this is a Mac centric problem I don't know a lot of times I'll start watching something and then my video will freeze and I look at the Mac and it's because Plex has decided this would be a perfect time to go ahead and update all the metadata or, yeah. you know, update its libraries. And it can't seem to do both things at once. You know, I'm, I'm going to pause this video because I'm updating everything or it's going to get choppy or the video quality is going to go down because I can't transcode and update libraries at the same time. So right now I've got it. Uh, I, I, my preferences are 3 a.m. is when you update your libraries, Plex. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give a shit. It just does it whenever it wants to still. It's like, ah, yeah. you know what? It's 8.30 at night. You're watching something. This would be a perfect time. Yeah. And because you of that felt- is why I went out and, and told it you can't have access to my pictures anymore. Because right. it, ju- it I've got a lot of pictures, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But it would just, man, it would just start bogging down. It's the same thing with my music. Because... For a little while, I was experience, uh, experimenting with all of my picture library as well as my music in my Plex library. It didn't go well. I've got a mm. big collection of all that, not even counting the movies and television shows that I've got sitting on this hard drive. So when it went to update its libraries, ugh, it, yeah. it, it would just take forever. So I, I, had to, I had to delete my music and my pictures out of it. And that's not so, what I got right. Plex for to begin yeah. with anyways. No, no, I agree. Um, this is one of the reasons I put it on an external computer. It was the uh, NAS I had, which is an old one, but it did have Plex built in. The problem was exactly the same as that. Anytime Plex started to do anything in the background, the whole NAS slowed to a halt because it was such an old machine. And I figured finally, I thought, the problem with a NAS is that, you know, you're getting a cheap processor in there because obviously they're building to a cost. Right. Yeah, and for what you spend 
on the NAS, you could buy an old PC that's going to be far more powerful and far more flexible. So that's kind of the way I went. Um, and we'll see. But I'm not dealing with the sorts of sizes of data that you have. I'm I'm one of these weird people who, when I watch something on a Plex server, I delete it. I think I'm never going to watch it again. So I swipe it. So uh, I don't have, you know, four terabytes worth of data on there or anything like that. So... Next That's, thing up, because um, we're already at 51 yeah. minutes here. Next thing up is Google is removing its Play Movies and TV app from every Roku and most smart TVs. And the entire internet went, oh, yeah, I forgot all about Google Play Movies thing. This is a <laughs> this is kind of a, um, a lesson that just because you're a big company doesn't mean you're going to come in and, you know, be king dick of whatever it is. Google Play Music or Google Play Movies has never been popular. Never. I don't know anybody, anybody that used the service. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody did. So. But the pro- yeah, the problem is, is that if you bought stuff in that service, um, you're kind you're you know, you're going to so, lose access yeah, to it now. There, there's going to be a riot of all seven people. <laughs> the problem with Google is not so much they take the stuff away. Because, it, you know, if they were taking it away, it's like, we're not doing this anymore. You might not right. agree with it, but at least they're like, okay, you tried it, you failed. Yeah. The problem with Google is they're not actually taking it away. They're just moving it somewhere else. Yeah. It's now all going into YouTube. Yeah, shocker. You know, yeah. Probably it's, probably, so, it's the only way this service is going to survive is be part of YouTube. And YouTube is on you. all the streaming services too, so maybe you'll have access to it that way. Yeah, know. you kind of look at that. And when you see the movie to YouTube and you do kind of think, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the, again, the problem can be that if you have smart devices that rely on these apps, um, you've now got to kind of do workarounds or things that maybe aren't as nice to access the data. Like, so apparently on the Roku, you can use their YouTube app, but I bet you that's not going to be as good experience as the Google Play app used to be. Next story. Tesla is, this is, <clears throat> this is from the verge.com. Tesla's burning its solar roof customers with a huge price increase. So a lot of, maybe a lot of people aren't aware of, and I've been aware of it, but maybe a lot of people haven't been that you could actually, Tesla's business extends beyond just automobiles. They also have side businesses of uh, powering your house. And by the way, if you power your house with your Tesla car, it voids your warranty. Um, (laughs) You could get solar panels on your house from Tesla which obviously you would use to power the Tesla battery in your house, um, mm. theoretically, anyways. And a lot—I don't—I I doubt if it's a lot of people, but some people were doing this, and there was well, a also, backlog yeah. of, of customers to to have this That's installed. Right. And Tesla will install panels, but actually, what they did is they bought a few years ago a company that actually made solar roof tiles. So the right. idea was your roof was a panel. Correct. Um, and uh, a lot of people went for that because um, they fancied the cool technology and also it it was far more attractive on their house than having the panels, which um, a lot of people really don't like having the panels stuck to their roof. So they went from $35,000 to $70,000. And this is after people have signed a contract yeah. and paid a deposit. And, um, and Tesla was this like, you have to confirm yeah. that this is fine or we're just going to cancel your order because we don't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't yeah. have, they couldn't have done this in a worst way as far as 
PR and handling your customers. This was just atrocious, just awful. I mean, how, I how I dare you treat people like that? Good God. Well, have Tesla ever, ever really been particularly customer focused? No. I think, no. I think Tesla's popularity comes from the quality of the product they sell and, and the um, enthusiasm their customers have for, for the products and changing the world and that sort of thing. But I don't think they've ever been particularly noted as being terribly customer service. Well, you bought rate. a used Tesla? Guess what? You're going to, have to pay us money for these features that are already built into the car Um, we've talked about that before well and a lot of manufacturers are doing that toyota's doing that right now with the connected services and i disagree with Mm -hmm. that as well and i sell that product um but here's in some respects though david i don't care because this was a stupid thing to begin with it was a stupid thing here's why math is on my side yeah. I looked this up. The average electric bill in the US is $118 a month. That's mm-hmm. probably pretty accurate too. Some in the summertime mines goes way higher, in the wintertime yeah. it goes lower because I heat my ha- my house with gas, okay? Mm-hmm. So $118 electric. That's $1,416 on average for an American a year. If you times that number by 50, 50 years, you spend $70,800. 50 years. Which You're going to put these the stupid panels on your house? You're going to keep that house for 50 years? Well, Seriously? Yeah, uh, there's, Even there's if you're a generating of, a whole bunch of extra power that you're selling back yeah, to the grid? Yeah, I was going to say, that you, it's you've, not got that to, much you've got money. to factor in the sell back. I, no, I think it's not most of these... Most of these systems, well, certainly if you buy a, a conventional system with roof panels, for a start, the roof panels uh, are much better than these tiles. Sure. They've got, a, they've got double the energy density. Yeah. So you're actually, and they're cheaper, so you're actually much better with a panel system. But the panels typically have a playback um, um, nowadays of about 10 to 15 years. You don't do this because you're expecting to run your whole house off electricity. Yeah? You don't. Absolutely not. People do this, and people should do this, to be honest, because it brings the overall carbon footprint of the country you're in down because you're not generating as much electricity from fossil fuels. But the price Um, point is skewed right now. What we need is $10,000 that you can pay over the next five years to have these things installed in your house and you become energy independent to the point that maybe you can sell a little bit back to the grid. You have these giant batteries sitting in another place in the house somewhere. Well, you sh- yeah, you shouldn't. Again, if you put batteries into it, then the whole thing becomes uneconomical again because of the cost of the batteries and the. Well, but that's the, the point, though. I, you, if if you don't have batteries, David, and it's winter in freaking January in Michigan, what what the hell is your solar panels doing? Because what what you're Dick doing all. is you're becoming. If you've got the solar panels, you're becoming part of the grid which means that you can generate, you can reduce load on the grid, you can sell back to the grid. But having batteries to become totally energy dependent is a completely different economic model. And it's much harder to do. And that's one of the reasons why, hell, you'd you'd think if batteries were so cost effective that even the big power companies would be storing, uh, you know, when they're not, requiring energy but they've got the when they're not required to give energy to the grid they'd be storing it in the in the batteries well, they don't for, do that because so they're for-profit companies and they don't give a shit well yeah but you know if you were um if you've got wind or you've got a solar installation you mm-hmm. would think you will want to store the energy 
because the whole point about right, it's uh, not cost say, effective when? right now, but it, it will be well, eventually. Uh, yeah, that that's the yeah. thing, and and uh, and this is this is this is all early days. But the problem yeah. is, is that it doesn't do the idea and the concept behind it any favours when the company you're dealing with to try and do something to benefit the environment, and you're paying money out to do that. Yeah, suddenly screws you over by doubling the price. <laughs> And let's yeah, face it, no even uh, there are plenty of people, even the richest people, if they suddenly say, well, I signed a contract for $40,000 and now you want nearly $100,000, yeah, even the richest person might go, you know what, that doesn't sound like you're doing me much favours there. Maybe I should take my business elsewhere. Well, you know? it's not just that. Do you think they're going to get sued for it? I think they will. I think some people are going to bring uh, lawsuits. Think, yeah, they could do. They could well do, you but that's going to uh, take four the contract, years of the course. What, and, what good's the contract if you sign a contract and the other company that you're getting the service from can double the cost? Yeah. What the hell the point was the contract to begin with then? Yeah, I agree. But, that that um, was a contract done in bad faith, and I think they're going to get sued. Deservedly so. You can't just yeah. do this and there's no consequences and tell the customer, well, if you don't like it, screw off, because that well, is yeah, exactly what they I'm were s- telling people in their communications. And some people have taken out loans to pay for this, and some people have spent money clearing their property so that right. there's no there's trees real over world the tree cost, line and everything like that. And 100%. Then all of a sudden, there's real-world costs involved in yeah. preparing. You signed a contract. It's going to cost me $35,000. Great. I'm going to start preparing my house. I can see that you know it's going to be eight months before these are installed. So there's some work that I need to do. Maybe I did go out and buy a battery because I do want to be energy independent. Uh, Maybe I had to have my electrical wiring all updated to support this, including selling back to the grid. So now I'm into it for $10,000 already. And now you're telling me it's going to go from $35,000, the contract that we signed to 70 and it's eat shit or die. I don't think so. First has been told, well, you can cancel your order. Yeah. Um, Right. Thanks. Assholes. I'm sorry. This is just an asshole move. And I get the, I I almost can guess why they double the price. It's because their prices went up because shortage of electronics. Yeah. And also as well, apparently they've really been struggling to produce these at scale. Uh, It's a typical Tesla thing. You sell it before you build it and then you try and build it. Yeah. And then there's problems and you go, Oh, we're breaking the world first. (laughs) That's how you get ahead assholes yeah um wait till, i really wait don't till, wait till they're uh, no better than wait facebook. till spacex has taken this uh as one the of these starship things up, up to the iss and yeah. then they say to nasa uh yeah before, well they just, just got the contract dock. to land on the moon <laughs> they got the nasa contract to land on the I moon know, yeah yeah. Before we land on the moon, NASA, we're going to need. Okay, a, you know these you astronauts know, we know you got those here? astronauts in orbit, but it's going to be another five billion dollars. Yeah, you know we got <laughs> here, but this is going to cost more than we thought. So, <laughs> you know, it's we we're going to need some more money. Yeah, contract. Five billion. We, Otherwise, it'd be a shame what might happen to you, astronauts. We just open this hatch over here and be done with yeah. it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, can okay. we stop saying that Elon Musk is Tony Stark? He's doc- he's Doctor Doom. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not Tony Stark. Elon, you know what? Tony he's Stark. Victor Von Doom right? is who he is. We all know Even how the we accent all, matches. We uh, yeah, we all know that Tony Stark was a bit of a dick. Yeah, right? and then Tony Stark would look at Elon Musk and go, "Wow, that guy's a dick." Wow, that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah, I Elon Musk has bought into his own press way too much. Yeah. He's almost a cautionary tale at this point. I'm not saying he's not brilliant. He is. But he needs someone to say no. Mm -hmm. No. Smack his 
could put that down. No. What did I say? I can't you can control his personal assistant to do that to I, I was just laying in here. What? All right. We're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We'd love to get feedback from you. Be like Chris. Send us feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. That comes to both me and David. Um, yep. You can follow us on the Twitter or the Facebook. We're Tech Fan Podcast on both of those places. And, of course, we always post each show at both Tech Fan Podcast and MyMac.com. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show sometime, we record bright and early Saturday mornings on the East Coast at 7 a.m. What time is that over there in the UK? Uh, it's mid- midday. Is it UK or UK? So, I always forget. Just before you have a spot of lunch. Yes. Okay. Is it UK or UK? I forget. UK. Yeah. Oh, I like UK. It sounds cooler. I live in the UK. Um, <laughs> no, no. Too many, too many scope for insults there. Well, I live in the US. You live in the yeah. UK. I live in the US. Um, yeah, mine sounds better. Mm. Us. It's all about us. America first. America. America first. Anyways, before you start going down that, make sure you guys check out our other show. It's The Geeks Pub. Next week, we're going to be talking about the entire series of The Winter Soldier and Falcon, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. Fantastic show. I love it. So I'm looking forward to that. We will be back here on Tech Fan in two weeks talking about really cool stuff, including a looming problem for PlayStation owners, including me. I'm not happy about this. So you have to yep. turn in in two weeks and hear all about that. David, I'll see you then. Bye. Yeah, see you then. Take care.